So today I got to catch up with Denzel Bentley. Like it's been it's been a hell of a twelve months for Denzel. If you think about the big fights he's had, he's gone one one and one, which considering the guys he's been up against, I think is a massive achievement. I think he's had probably one of the better lockdowns of the British guys out there. And so what I really wanted to do, I just wanted to catch up with him, see where he was after the Felix Cash fight, you know, some of the changes and the growth he's made and, you know, reflect on some of the highlights of, of 2020 as well, because I think he had a good year. And then also just a few glimpses to the future, yeah, interspersed with a bit of humor, but it was nice to catch up with him. And what I hope is you guys enjoy this. And as always, man, follow Denzel. I mean, all the available links will be in the, in the notes as always. So Remember, like, share, enjoy, and without further ado, here's Denzel Bentley. I think he lost. I think he. I of think course, he, you're going to disagree. No, 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 no. I think the Savon fight. I think the Savon fight. You'll give me that long black stuff. Does he slide up in you sometimes? In his time, you know, it's suicide. It's the same with Tony. Suicide. And I was never. I was never focused that it's way. Very, it's for me, it was, it was never about being the best. I was happy being one of the best. I got a lot, I got robbed of a gold medal in the Olympics, which really basically me off. So I had something to prove. When you got something to prove, it makes it, you a different fighter. Adrian no longer speaks English, he speaks Burnish, so I'm his interpreter. <laughs> Denzel, yep. Felix Cash, how how did you feel? Because I think one of the things that people listening to this kind of never get to see is they never get to see that first hour after the fight. And yeah, because well, I've been in that situation, like you know, we've been in the changing room. Like, can you just share with people the 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 sights, the sounds, and your feelings after that Felix Cash fight? I was, I was very upset, man. I was, I was very upset. I was confident that I could win. You know, confident that it was my night. That everything was built around me. It was my, it was my, it was like my coming up party, really. And I fucked it up in it. So just, I was, I was pissed about that. I'm still pissed about it now. But you just have to get on with it, try and get back and move on forward, and still, you know, do the things that I believe I can do in this game. Because you know, one of the things that distressed me, I remember you. You wrote on Instagram that you felt you'd let yourself down and let everyone down. I remember that post. Yeah. And I remember thinking, you really haven't let yourself down. And, you know, because you and I speak, obviously, outside of, like, a podcast we speak in. I'll, I'd always had that feeling that the Felix Cash fight was the wrong one, not because you weren't good enough, but, you know I mean, and we'll talk about this later, but I'd seen the Ghana, I'd seen the Ghana Instagram post and I just thought, Mm, might need something to shake the cobwebs off first. You know, just sometimes you just need that little bit of a, a shock to the system to go, oh, okay, I'm back now. And I kind of, I kind of felt that like, you know, Felix Cash is a guy that doesn't leave the gym. So it wasn't even that he was better. He just had more miles on him heading into that fight. So I, I looked at that and I went, this might be the best thing for him because there's always a, there's always a good time and a bad time to take a loss. And I thought this one, like no one's going to begrudge you that and you correct me if I'm wrong on this I thought social media was very 
pro Denzel after that fight, which was really good. Yeah, that that, that kind of surprised me because like, like I've seen how people talk about fighters after they take it or after, you know, a performance like that. And I didn't really get any of that. So I was kind of surprised. I was expecting it and I was ready for it. thinking, all right, cool, it's my turn now. But I didn't really get that. So that was, that, that was all right. Is there a nervousness about that? Do fighters go, Jesus Christ, I'm going to get ruined on social media? Or is it just like, I no, don't care? No, not me. For me, I'd, it's like I don't really care for it because it, like before, before the fight, I was getting written off anyway. I was like, right, I'm getting, I was getting written off anyway before the fight by quite a few people. Like, oh, you're going to get smashed. You're not tight. You're going to get this. You're going to get that. So after, I was like, all right, cool. Here we go. I wasn't really like, thinking, oh, this is going to ruin my day. Like, there's nothing you could have done or said that was going to be worse than what just happened. So I was like, whatever it is, what it is, whatever comes, comes. But obviously it didn't. There was a few people, there was a few that, you know, that, that I saw, you know, that was, that were kind of negative. But other than that, the majority of it was just like, you'll come back to do your thing, blah, blah, blah. And you know, it's weird because I think, I think people understood what that fight was. Because, and I, I think I said it to you, you had a guy that's boxed since he was a kid. Like, I was talking to the guys at Pinewood Star. He's been in the gym since before he could box competitively. So, not that you want to hide into nothing. I don't think that's true. But you were definitely in there with someone who who had experience. And I think when we talk about training later on, it will come down to this. Like, it's this idea that someone's had more decision points than the other person. And in sport, nothing beats decision points. There's nothing on this earth that beats that. And, you know, I, I still go back to that Heffron fight and I say, we saw enough there to know that an aggressive Denzel Bentley is a problem for anyone. So that's why I wasn't that down. So I remember I was watching the fight and I was getting texts because I told all the people I work with, I'm like, you go watch this kid, Denzel Bentley. And they're like, mm. they're like, yo, T, what's going on here? And I just said, I could tell you guys what he should do but the truth is, I don't know what he's trained. So I can't, I can't speak to that. But I said, the kid's talented. If you point him in the right direction and give him the right kind of energy, this guy will do a lot of damage to people. And, you know, that's, that's what we're waiting for now. Now It's almost like, I guess in your head now, you're thinking like, this is chapter two now. This is where it gets serious because like you said, you're still pissed off now. So when you're, so when you're like just going about your day-to-day life as a boxer, how often does that cash fight pop into your mind? What now? Yeah, just even now, like today or tomorrow. How often does how often do, how often does it come back to you? All the time, man. All the time. All, like literally, I could be training, it pops in my mind. I could be chilling, it pops like if I'm it's living in my head rent free right now, and that's why I want to get my couch shit away because I don't want it to be the last thing I've done. Because every time I speak to someone or see someone or do an interview or something, they just revert back to that. Fucking jarring, like if I'm being honest with you. But I know that's the game, and that's what it is. That's the last thing I've done. You're only as good as your last fight, and all that stuff. I I just need to get back out and you know show what I can do and prove to myself that I can re I can really do this. Even I've only watched that fight back once because it came up on my timeline. If I'm being honest, I didn't I didn't type it in. I was on YouTube and it came up on my timeline, and I thought, on it, let me watch it. And I watched it, and I was like. But this is embarrassing. That like, this is this is that this. I am a hundred times better than that. You fought the better fight on the night, and you done what you done. I ain't got no excuses. I, I came in the ring perfect, injury free. But 
still bugs me now. If I'm being honest. Oh, okay. So what happened then? So when you're when you're when you're watching the fight back or replaying it in your head, what are you saying to yourself? <laughs> so many different things. At times, I just I was better off just fucking standing there and having a tear up, and whoever goes first goes first, and this would have been the better fight for everyone to watch. But it's like came out trying to move and box and then, you know, frustrate him and push on later in the, in the later, later rounds. But in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what, maybe I should have just pushed him back. I should have stood, I should have stood my ground. Like, the second headphone fight, really, but I came out thinking, you know, obviously the game plan was to move and frustrate him because we know what he's like. You know, that like once he starts missing and don't get his way, he starts getting frustrated and doing some wild things and making mistakes. We're going to capitalise on that later. That's obviously the wrong kind of move. Well, I didn't do it right. So, either, either one of them. so the fight plan was to wait for him to get frustrated. Yeah. Wow. So, and here's why I say wow. And maybe it's just the way I see the boxing world. I never care what the other person's going to do. Because that other person might be working on their own little secret weapon that I can't see. So my attitude is always, you're going to go into this fight and you're going to be their problem. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna force them to go. I wasn't expecting this. It's almost like you, you know the second Heffron fight. That's what you did because yeah, there, there, there was a quote from Mark Heffron, and it bugs me even more than than me watching the Felix Cash fight. There's a quote from Mark Heffron that really bugged me. Denzel can't change. Denzel's a runner, man. He's to make sure he's got his assets running trends on because he's gonna be doing some running. You know when Heffron called you a runner. Yeah, that bugged me as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I remember thinking, no, no, I know where Denzel's from in London. I'm like, you can't call a man a runner. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I felt you came into the second Heffron fight going, oh, I'm a runner. Right? Yeah. But you forgot that in the in the Felix Cash fight, it seemed. And... And I guess tactically, the difference between Heffron and Cash is that Heffron will fight at your pace. Like, whoever he's in the ring with, he fights at their pace. Whereas Felix Cash just comes like, he's like, listen, this is, I only have one gear. I'm going to let it go. If it's good enough, it's good enough. If it's not, it's not. And yeah. In those situations, if you just stand in the middle of the ring, just, you know, that basic, just two hands up and go, okay, you keep doing that. I've got forearms and I've got shoulders that can take this. And then... Yeah. Then you start going, okay, now I'm going to start moving and sliding. You know, when, when, when you've emptied his tank. It's, it's those little things, but yeah, you and I have talked about this before. That's what experience is. Experience is knowing the right decisions to make at the important times. You know, because, yeah. yeah, you know how it is, man. Because sometimes I think when you box, and, and you, you'll speak, I mean, you'll speak this in reference to the cash fight, but sometimes when you box, and it doesn't go your way, there's no worse feeling. Listen, I've been slapped about enough times because I didn't have a plan B. And I was like, this is this is a really hard way to learn how to have plan A and plan B. And I remember at the time Mick Carney at the lodge just going, when are you going to learn how to box properly? And I was like, yeah, you're right. I need to really educate myself on how this thing really works. Because as weird as it sounds, then there's a theory to a lot of this stuff that they never really talk about because a lot of guys don't know it. I mean, all they know is bag work, pad work, and do a circuit. Like, even at the elite level. Yeah. So, in your head, do you feel that 
you will see Felix Cash again? I, I want to, and that's just the fire in me. I, but even if we go out there and he does his thing again, I need to get back and you know prove that I can really beat this guy. Because I think I kind of just thought I just thought the wrong fight, and that in my mind I feel like all I've got to do is keep progressing. He's going to keep doing his thing, and like, he's going to keep progressing as well. So it's just down to me to get to that to that world level, and hopefully we can meet again at world level at some point because. He's not going to hang around the domestic too long. He's won the Commonwealth and the British. So. He wins the European, and he's done with domestic level. And I don't plan to, you know, be a domestic level fighter my whole career. So. I hope I hope to meet him again at world level and, you know, get get it cracking again, maybe for a world title or maybe a unified fight or something. So, because what normally happens after these sorts of situations, you know this, right? People just talk about changes need to be made you know it normally happens it happened with actually it's happened with Dubois hasn't it because his, yeah, whole, course, his yeah. whole world has changed yeah um, who, I didn't see him ending up with Shane did you uh no I, I uh no I, I didn't see him end up with Shane I didn't, even know. I didn't know who he was going to go to I didn't know what 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 trainer would suit him to be honest even when I heard Mark Tibbs that was a bit of a surprise for me so yeah yeah it's it's tricky. I've just come off a phone call with someone who asked me about Dubois and Shane, and I said, I don't know if Shane's going to teach Daniel what Daniel needs to learn. Like, I think Shane's a hell of a trainer for yeah. people who are suited to him. Like, Lawrence is suited to Shane because there's a lot of things Lawrence does wrong. So if you can fix those, you've got a pretty good fighter in your, in your stable. And okay, yeah. it's the same with Billum Smith as well, right? It's the same with Fowler. If you can fix the errors, you have a good fighter. Dubois is different. He doesn't make many mistakes. It's yeah. just that he, no one could really understand what made him good, and it was that he was a combination puncher, right? That's what, that's what made Daniel Dubois special, was he could throw combinations heavyweights weren't supposed to throw. And then, yeah. you know, who can teach him that in this country? I think you struggle to find names. And you, you know, you know, like essentially, Daniel Dubois became a business as soon as he turned pro. He was a business, and no one's waiting for him to develop. So it's literally just putting back in the firing line and hope for the best, which is an unfortunate way to treat a twenty-three, twenty-four-year-old kid, in my opinion. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. But how's your training changed since Felix Cash? Um. Like you said, we speak before we speak, you know, quite a lot of standards anyway. So, you obviously know already, apart from circuit stuff and training I do in the gym, I've never done SNC outside of, of anything. I've never had, never done SNC, never had an SNC coach. So, I just got to this level of my skill set, um, which, you know, I think is, 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 you know, quite good. Just got me there to a bit of title alongside, obviously, my team and management and stuff. And, no nutritional food nothing just straight to the fast and water but <laughs> so I've added you know some I've, I've got myself an SNC coach and I'm, I'm working on that side of things now and I'm obviously working on my nutrition side of things and you know seeing what what kind of effects and what kind of difference it will have on me uh, just physically because I felt like in that strong, in that fight with Felix the difference was his strength that, in my mind I was thinking okay you don't get much stronger than Mark Heffron Clearly, I was wrong. So, his strength in that fight played a big part, which I feel like um, 
I, I, I can improve on. I just feel like I've just got that sort of natural strength that can only take you so far. And um, yeah, just doing a lot more drills and training now. Obviously, I've, I just spoke you know, to my coaches and just said things that I'd like. Obviously, in the gym now, we, we do a lot more work to suit me alongside of my S&C and stuff so yeah that, that's what I've changed so far but you know, as as it goes as we move as we go on and I get used to things there's always room for improvement I'll probably try and add other things in there as well so so the S&C stuff what have they added so from a strength and conditioning perspective what are you now doing where you're like well, I wasn't doing this before uh, what with my S&C coach yeah I've never done it before in general, so it's just like, like it's a lot more explosive stuff, building the foundation, uh, more on the legs and the core. Um, you know what I'm saying? Just it's, it could probably help me fill out a bit more as well, the weight as well. But I, I've never done it. Like I had a session beforehand, which was like I don't know. I've done. I've probably done like two or three sessions, and I just thought, ah, get this man. But now I'm like, you know, taking it serious like every week and stuff. So. Yeah, and the thing is, look. So it's, I think for me, um, and I'm going to do an episode on this at some point because strength and conditioning is one of these things that bugs the shit out of me. If I'm being honest with you, it's yeah. A lot of people get it wrong because they don't understand the difference between what different sports need. So strength and conditioning guys will normally come and they'll tell you, "I work with this rugby player, this footballer, this," and that's cool. Even MMA strength and conditioning doesn't work for boxing. And one of the things yeah. a lot of these SNC guys miss is what I call stability under extension, right? So can you keep your core stable and strong when your arms and legs are working? Because a lot of times people look floppy when they punch. Like, look, I'll be honest, I've watched you sometimes and I'm like, if he knew how to coordinate his muscles, there's a lot more power that can come out. Remember we worked together in Battersea Park. Yeah, 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 I know. And you mentioned these things as well. Yeah, and we were doing the little tweaks and, and it got harder and harder. And you know what? That's not even me making you stronger. It's just saying, you see what you currently have. Let's make it more efficient. And hopefully your SEC yeah. guy understands that. That boxing conditioning and strengthening is about two things for me. It's about stability. So at that point where your punch connects, is your body stiff and stable so the force can go all the way through? people don't realize that it's important. It's the same thing with absorbing body shots. Like when you take a body shot, your core has to be stiff. And then as soon as the impact comes, it has to loosen to then dissipate the shock across the body. But they don't teach you this, you see? They, they make you do crunch after crunch after crunch, saying that sit-ups give you good abs. And that, make, that helps you condition against body shots. Nah. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot no, of guys with six-packs get dropped with body shots. Yeah, I've seen that. It's the coordination of your muscles. You'll find that, I, I say this to people, without lifting a single weight, you can become stronger by 20 or 30% by simply being stronger in, or being physically stable in positions of extension. So things like being able to just hang, for example, or being able to hold yourself up. Little things like that, that people don't work on. And then once you maximize yeah. that, you work on your coordination, making sure the muscles fire in the right order then you get more power. And then once you've maximized that, then you start lifting weights. That's what natural strength is. It's not really that someone's stronger than you. It's that they're better coordinated. They use all of their muscles to do something, whereas you might not. And it's just a coordination issue. 
but strength and conditioning yeah. guys don't talk about this. You know why? Because they don't understand it. Yeah, and, and that's, that's part of the reason why I just wasn't in a rush to do any of that in the first place. I'm like, oh, I've seen what you guys do. I've seen guys that are just mad strong in the gym and S&C, lifting everything, they can do everything. I've seen guys are mad good runners. They're sick runners. They can run for days, like, non-stop. And I've just seen them get beat. And it's like, oh, everything you do, you didn't even use it. You didn't even capitalize on your strength. Like, what's the point of being the fittest guy in the gym if you can't capitalize it and push the pace in the fight? What's the point of being the strongest guy in the, your S&C sessions and then when it comes to the fight, you're getting pushed back. Like, you're not even using your strength to your, your, to your, ben- like to your, to, to your benefit. And that was why I was like, well, I don't, I'm not in the rush. Like, you can have the best looking body. You can be in the best shape. Doesn't mean anything. You need to learn how to fight. But my main thing was, well, I just want to be in the gym and learn how to fight. But I'm being honest with you. After my last fight, I realized, okay, the only difference in that fight was the strength. I don't feel like I was outscored. I probably was outsmarted a little bit because, like you said, he used his um, abilities to, you know, his to his benefit. Whereas mine didn't benefit me at that point. I thought maybe I can add that and work on it. I'm not going to make that override my training or my boxing, but just do enough of it to know that, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm solid. I've got a solid foundation, strong legs, strong core, you know, like you were saying, muscles firing at the right time and knowing how to use this and when to use it. So, hey, I'm still going to rely on my skill, but I won't be getting pushed around as much or being forced to push back because I am just as strong, you know what I mean? Or I know how to use my strength accordingly. I add that I'm not gonna I'm not doing it like four or five times a week. Right now I just started once a week, easing into it. Probably by the time I hit camp I up it to two times a week maximum and then focus on my boxing still. That's just my way of thinking on things. I don't know how it could work, it could not, but if you don't try you'll never know, will it? No. Two thirds two thirds skill, one third strength is how I look at it. A lot of people in boxing mm. get it wrong. So I see you guys do more hours of S&C than they are of skill. And that's why they don't make good decisions in the ring. It should always be... Yeah, that's, that, that's not what I want to do. Yeah, 100%. I, that's, that's not... I, I don't want to make the S&C stuff override my boxing. Because I know that's the main thing. You need to know how to box and on punches and move and be smart in the ring. Rather than just being a tough man that's just going to try and run you. You know, the greatest lesson I learned about training was... It's from a guy called Gerald Tucker. So I want to shout out Gerald Tucker at GT underscore the great. I don't know if I spelled that right. So I, I remember him and I used to message each other about five, six years ago when, when he started working with Brona, because I think they were friends from the same area. And he said this, okay. you're only as tired as your skills. So he was saying, and I think I said the same thing to Dan Aziz. When a fight's easy, you never get tired, right? So Denzel, mm-hmm. if I put you in with a novice and I say, you've got to do eight rounds with this novice, you're not going to be tired. Yeah. Because there's nothing he can do that you haven't seen. So you're like, man, this is all right. This was easy work, right? I put you in with Triple G and say, you've got eight rounds to do. You're a bit like, ha, ha, ha. Do I really want to do eight? <laughs> and then after two, yeah. you're like, this is hard. Why? Because he's making yeah. you make decisions you didn't even know you had to make. And people don't realize that. So when, when people talk about so-and-so is physically fit, most boxers have the same level of fitness, right? If I'm being honest with you. It's just about 
who's using more of their energy to think and who's using more of their energy to act. You know, th this is the, for me, that's the most important part of a boxer's conditioning. I don't want you to think about stuff in the ring. You know, it should all be automatic. Everything should be automatic so that you're able to think about the strategy. Where am I in the fight? Mm, do I feel he's tiring? You know, when you're asking questions that aren't to do with the here and now, you're like, is he tiring? What am I seeing here? Am I seeing him weaken? What am I feeling? Yeah. You can have those conversations. Like, do you remember when you'd watch peak Mayweather? And he'd be sat in the corner, he'd be saying to, to Roger, I'm going to get him now. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's soft. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you're, and that makes you realize he's, he's already thinking three or four rounds ahead. And you're like, how good do you have to be that you can do that and you're not even blowing? Mm. And that should be the target. I, when I speak to young fighters, I say, if you're not in that position, you're doing boxing all wrong. Because otherwise, you, and... I'll ask you this once again about not even let's let's park that. Even in the Heffron fight, there were times where you have to be honest and say you were dealing with a crisis. Yeah, you were firefighting instead of going. Oh, okay, I know I can stop this nonsense now. Let me just calm. Well, the, the first, the first fight, yeah, the first, yeah, one, yeah. yeah so I, let, let, Here's yeah. where I can calm him down because I remember watching that. Uh, where was I was on holiday when I was watching that, and I was like, I just wish he'd use the uppercut to calm this guy down. Because Heffron does all that bouncing around and all that head movement, but he always ends up back in the middle. And I was like, Denzel, just throw the uppercut in the middle. You will, you will stop him right there and there. And it's those things. Yeah. So you almost have to, and we talk, we've talked about this, haven't we? In your head, you've got to be able to say, priorities for Denzel Bentley. Number one, be the best decision maker in my weight class in this country. Be the best decision maker. Number two, be the most skillful. Number three, be the strongest. Number four, be the fittest. You can switch the other two round if you want. But the best decision makers have the longest careers. That's the key thing. And people, you know, there'll be people listening going, how do you learn to make better decisions in boxing? Any which way. So one of the things I found interesting, I learned this from, I think I read a Malcolm Gladwell book about this. When they were teaching doctors how to spot cancer, you normally had one, what they normally used to do was just do it on a patient by patient basis, right? Yeah. Yeah, so a patient comes in, you look. Okay, guys, based on this scan, do you believe that this woman has cancer, yes or no? Right, that's how you do it. So what they then realized was, if we give medical students thousands of these scans to look at every day, they'll get better at spotting who has cancer and who hasn't. So you, you shorten the time to, to mastery by just giving them loads and loads of decision points where you say, right, image number one, cancer, yes, no. Image number two, cancer, yes, no. And you can go through like a thousand of those, right? You get a score. You come back next week, you do it again. Your score improves. And then eventually you become really proficient at doing it so that when you are in hospital and the pressure's on, you don't doubt yourself. You're not second-guessing yourself. Yeah, yeah, you so you've I mean? been there. And so I remember when I started training people in boxing, my, my challenge was actually, how do I get someone to that point in boxing? And people used to think I was crazy. I remember we used to do, we used to do restarts over and over again. So I'd have two kids in the corner, ring the bell, first 30 seconds. If I didn't like it, you start it again. Until you got the first 30 seconds right, then we'd make it the first minute in the first two minutes and then they learn how to how to exist in each round 
because you challenge yeah. like, you know, because you know a lot of people get to the center of the ring and they start fucking about like I don't know what to do right you make them do it 50 yeah. or 20 times by the 20th time they've just come step step dip right hand or they've, they've, they've thought of something to do and that can change the whole psychology of a fight you hit someone within 5 seconds pretty hard man you, you might dominate the rest of the fight just based on that yeah yeah. But a lot of people aren't working on that. They work on this idea that if they give you everything they know, you'll be a champion. It's not true. You know what I mean? I can give you everything I know, but I still need you to figure it out and make it your own. So that Yeah, no cool. Yeah, who you are and what you do become the same thing. So I'm hoping, yeah. you know, I'm gonna be pro peacock for about ten seconds. I'm hoping those guys at the peacock now realize that you know, what they've been doing before, you know I mean, it wasn't working and hopefully they'll evolve and let them know that I'm willing to come in as a consultant and just provide some, you know, some experience, you know, for the right fee. But... <laughs> <laughs> Can you No, imagine? the thing is, with, with the gym, it's like, you know, they've been in the game for years, isn't it? So, of course, you know, everyone, everyone has a way of doing things. Oh, we've taken two big losses in the gym. So, as much as we turn around and be like, okay, what can we change? They do the same thing. They turn around and be like, okay, maybe we're missing something. What can we change? Like, what can we add? Like, what is it you think we're missing? Like, they had these conversations. They sit down and they say, okay, what do we think of this? What do we think of that? It's, it's, it's the same. I'm guessing every gym is, is pretty much the same. So, it's not like, it's not like, I'll be honest in that. It's not like they're stuck in their ways and they're like, nah, nah, this, this is what works. This is what works and this is what we're going to do. It's just, Everything's a matter of conversation. You know what I mean? Like, if I felt uncomfortable or something, I feel comfortable enough to go over there and speak to them and say, oh, listen, this ain't really it. Or can we try this and can we try that? And it's just all a matter of conversation, to be honest. So I'll, I'll give my opinion on what I think is wrong with the peacock. They don't know yeah. how to create an elite culture. Like, they may be the best trainers. They may have the most experience. I don't know anything about that. They can't create yeah. an elite culture. I don't believe that. Like, I see the videos, I see the setup, and I'm like, this is, this is village, man. That's how I feel when I see it. I'm like, bro, this is village. Because for me, when something's elite, you should always be scared walking in. That's mm. it. You should always be scared walking in. Because you're, not even for what someone's going to do to you, but knowing that there's no hiding place. If I'm not 100% today, they're going to let me know. And it's that fear so when you get into it, you're like, I do not want to be average in this session. I don't want to be average in this gym. And sometimes I think people get away with being average in the peacock. Because they don't know what an elite culture looks like. Yeah. And that's... I hear you. Hmm? Yeah, because... But I hear you. I hear you saying. Because I remember when I was a kid. I wasn't even a kid. I was like 21 though. And I used to play for a rugby team called Rotherham. And at the time, they were in the top league in the country. And I'd basically, imagine this, Dent, I'd gone from playing with a bunch of farmers and builders as a kid, right? And all they wanted to do was drink beer on a Saturday. That's why they played. And then I suddenly started, like, training with these guys. And they're like, you're two kilos overweight. And I'm like, oh, shit. Or your, your, your 1,600 meter time is like five seconds slower than last week. And you were always under pressure to be better. You couldn't drop the ball. You couldn't miss a tackle. And I was like, why are they always getting on at me? Until I realized that everyone else was held to the same standard. 
And then I was like, okay, okay, this is this is what happens when you move up a few levels. And so like even now when I train, like zero tolerance for anything that's not perfect because that's what Golovkin's doing. That's what Charlo's doing. You know, I bet any money, Denzel, you and Jamal Charlo spend the same amount of time training in terms of hours, right? Same mm-hmm. amount of time. Do you think you're getting as much out of it as he is? That's, that's a good question. I, I don't know. Obviously, he's, he's, at the, he's at the top, the highest level. So, obviously, if I have to guess, I'd probably say I'm not. But at the end of the day, I, I don't see what he does. But that is a good point. I haven't thought about things like that. But, but it's, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's not something I can necessarily agree or, or, or agree with or, or disagree with. It's just so, like, I know, you know, I've been with, at the Peacock Gym ever since I've been pro, only gym I've been So, I know that's the way you know, things are done in that gym and it's got me to this level so far. So, um, I know you're not telling me to, but I'm not then going to turn around and, you know, uh, blame the team for one loss. It's like, fighters do. Some fighters, they take a loss and, you know, they're like, oh, I need to change everything. And it's like, maybe you felt that way before and this is your excuse. But if, that weren't, if that's not the case, it's like, you can't just blame, you know, a, a, a loss on, and everyone else but yourself you, you have to accept some fault and take some responsibility for, for that loss even if even if um, you know your team do have something to do with it you have to take you know some some sort of responsibility for it that's the only way you get better in my opinion so, like for example um, probably going off topic here but for example the Robbie Davis Jr where you know his corner told him don't switch and he didn't switch, and he ended up losing. Now he's got two options. Here. He he can go off and blame his team and say, "Oh, it was you that's why I'm leaving." Well, we can accept responsibility because he could have just been like, "If I did switch, and ended up knocking this guy out, my corner's not going to then say to me, you didn't listen to me.' That's not good enough." You won the fight. Sometimes you've got to make decisions on your own in the ring and outside the ring. That's the position I'm in now. I feel like even at the peacock, as, as good as the training is, and 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 everything that's going on and, you know, all the teaching I'm getting, I'm still, I'm still, you know, I still have to be able to make decisions myself, come back to your point, be the best decision maker. I've still got to be able to make decisions inside the ring and outside the ring and what's going to benefit me in boxing. At the end of the day, they're there to help me. And it's down to me to execute whatever they're teaching me. So if I'm going in the ring and I can't make a move unless I'm, unless I'm being told to do the move I'm making, then that's my fault. That makes sense. No, you're spot on. But you do realise Robbie Davis Jr. was done with Dominic straight after that fight. Oh, I know that. He had to have. Yeah. He, Even, he didn't have to say that. I knew that. Yeah. I, I knew that. But <laughs> that, that, you know, I don't want to, you know, uh, call out coaches or anything. But for me, that for me personally, that was bad advice. I don't know if they have a different relationship in it, but. But for Robbie Davis Jr., and I think he's a sick fighter. I think Robbie Davis Jr. is a very... I think he can do it all. I think he can do it all. I think he can... He switches well. He goes backwards well. He goes forward well. But it's just, you know, how to execute on the night. But I, I feel like he could have just been like, no, I'm switching now. This isn't comfortable. And switched himself. And if he had success, his corner then can't tell him, what are you doing? You're having success. Sometimes your corner needs to, need to pick up off what you're doing too, in my opinion. If you're doing something, and it's working. You're calling to pick up. Okay, yeah, cool. Keep doing that, but change it a little bit. Do this more. Do that more. And he just chose to just 
not act on his own, you know, his own his own tuition, his own brain. He just chose to to to, to do what he was being told to do when he should have been able to think for himself and they shouldn't have asked to switch. He should have just been like, you're just uncomfortable, I'm switching. And you see what would happen from then because either way, he still lost. If you switched and had a bit of success, no one would have been complaining. Bro, he looked distressed. Like, I've, I've, I haven't seen that in the pros before where someone looks like, yo, you guys are trying to get me killed here. I was watching it. Like, like, I've seen it in the amateurs. You know, in the amateurs, you'll see a kid panic because he's in there with someone yeah. who's good. But here, yeah. I was like, wow, you're, you're really, you're, Dominic, you're really going to keep forcing this guy after he's panicking. Like, just let him do his thing for a round, if nothing else, man. Let him be happy in the ring. And Dominic that's was like, it, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's just like, I'm the coach. You do what I say. Wow, but I think Joe Gallagher kind of broke it down and made a good point. I still don't think that was a good thing to do, but I think Joe Gallagher made a point. He tweeted it. He said, um, "The reason why uh, Dom Dominic Ingle wanted uh, what's his name uh, Robbie Davis Jr. to stay southpaw because the guy had a good backhand, and when Robbie Davis is in his in the orthodox stance, his lead hand is low, so that guy would have kept landing the backhand." It's going to make a difference anyway. He should, yeah. But I think that was the reason why he said it because he don't want to get knocked out. But okay, I don't know. But if Robbie Davis Jr. has got his hand low, right? He's been in the game long enough that he will know that, yo, I've got my hand low. I'm at risk of X, Y, Z. You're, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah I, I, I thought that was an absolute, that was a textbook case of how, how not to run a corner. Because I'm like, well, what was the fight plan? Was the fight plan stay one stance hall fight? If it was, why didn't Robbie Davis Jr. say I can't do this? That's what I don't understand. Like you can't, you can't start panicking, and that's what I was worried about. Is that he was just panicking, going right? I just need to revert back to what I know, because maybe he didn't trust Dominic, because that's what that felt like. It's like yo, I don't trust the stuff you're mm. telling me right now, because the ring looks different. You know, sometimes the ring just looks different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're like, yeah. oh, what am I doing here? And I, I felt for him, but but it comes to back to this point, man. Every boxer is responsible for their own career. Like, I don't blame, I do not blame a corner for a loss. I do not blame a manager. I'd say, listen, the boxer pays for these services. He pays for a manager. He pays for a trainer. If you're not getting out of it what you need, you're supposed to say, listen, why wasn't I getting out of it what I need? So to come back to that question I asked you earlier, if you're doing the same number of hours as Jamal Charlo, why is he getting more out of it? That's what I, I'd always be thinking this. Hi, I'm Denzel Bentley. I train for 12 hours a week to be the best boxer in the world. And then I'd look at those 12 hours and I'd go, could I have got more out of those 12 hours? If so, how? And then I'd be challenging the people around me to say, listen, we can do more. Why aren't we doing more? Because, okay. because remember, as a trainer, I only know what I know. So if you're saying to me, no, 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 I can definitely do, I can do this bag work at a faster speed. Then that's what I should be doing. Do you see what I mean? Like you want to extract every last drop out of it because if you're going to do an hour and really I think sessions of an hour are perfect for any sport, right? You do an hour intense. It doesn't, whether you go 90% or 105%, man, you're still going to feel it the same way. So you have to make sure that you're getting that development. Otherwise, 
you know, you become like these guys, like these Hosea Burtons that never really break through because they never maximize the hours that they spend in the gym. Mm. Yeah, so you, I think that's the mindset you've got to have. Like, you've got to say, listen, I'm captain of this team because no one's going to, like, look, 20 years from now, you don't want to have those sorts of regrets of, I could have done more. And I think I've said this before many times. You need to go out there now and say, yo, I need to find where all these middleweights are in this country and go and spend some time sparring them. Let me just feel what they're doing. Let me see if they're getting more out of their 60 minutes than I am. Let me see what they're doing differently. Because, you know, I tell yeah. you what, I was surprised you didn't ask Hefron for sparring before Felix Cash. Um, to be honest, I think, I think, I think we did. I think, um, uh, my coaches asked his manager, Kevin Marie, but I think, um, Hefron said a bit better about the loss and, um, he wanted to fight me again. He kept saying he wanted to fight me again. Um, so I don't think he wanted, uh, yeah, I don't think he wanted to come up for sparring or anything. I think he just, but he's holding that. But all these other guys, man, like you're going to have to get your bag packed and just say, listen, I'm going to spend a few weeks, man, just seeing all these other guys. You know, just doing that UK education to see if anyone's got those little secret tricks that you're not picking up on. Yeah. Because, because how else are you going to grow? There's only so long you can spy Dan Aziz, Ryan Robinson and so forth. There's only so long you can do that before you're not getting the same benefit you were last year. Absolutely, that's true. Yeah, look, man, you guys had thingy come down, man. Yeah, Dexter come down. Like Dexter had to come down and feel the force. With what Dexter had to come down with what? He had to come down and feel the force, man. Like you know, he called. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he got comfortable in Liverpool, so he was like, "Yeah, let me go down there and see what they're about." Yeah, but I, 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 Dexter, I, I, I like his his whole demeanor about the sport he was with him he just came out there and said yeah come on spend in the week I, I want some work I like that still that was that was that was real like people don't really do that innit? well maybe they do I don't know but like you said it's easy to get comfortable where you are innit? it's easy to go out there and see what's there really but he went out there to, he went out to Spartan as well obviously to Liverpool but still he just getting around to get work and see I respect that mindset because you're acquiring knowledge right you're acquiring knowledge and yes, you've got one team and one set of trainers who you're loyal to, and that's right. But you can now go around and be like, oh, listen, I went up to Blackpool, I sparred this kid, and they were doing this mad exercise. Let's try it to see if it works. If it doesn't work, bin it. If it does, you go, oh, okay. Now everyone in the gym's better off for it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. 100%. I, I agree with that. Yeah, and, and not enough people do that. Like, look. I think I said I said something similar to Dan Aziz, but Dan needs to stop going away sparring, man. He's just ending careers. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> put, put hands on Groves. Groves' arm was hanging off. Went to Darren Till. Darren Till's chin was never the same. That Dan, Dan's doing a lot of damage. Is that, is that all the work of Dan Aziz? Jeez. Listen, yeah. Dan, people are just blacklisting Dan. Like, nah, nah, don't let him near your fighters. <laughs> and you know, Dan would just look at you like, no, I, was, I wasn't even going that hard. Yeah, yeah, all right, mate. In it, oh, Dan's an actor, man. Dan's the biggest actor. He's the biggest actor. Nah, man, he, he's a good guy, man. Like, God bless him. Because... No, 100%, no, 100%. Nah, he always acts like he don't hurt you. 
Like yeah, no, nah, I promised him and I said, look, we're going to do a proper session because he's always like, why don't you ever train me, Tell? Why don't I get any of this wisdom? I'm like, you know what? You're right, man. Let me let me get my act together. Then we're going to do it properly. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, man. Just, just share some of the wisdom. But yeah, so look, you know, and there'll be other boxers listening to this. And I just say to people, you've got to do what's best for your career. Don't be loyal to anybody. I promise to God, mm. loyalty is what's killed a lot of careers because it's a fiction. But what are you being loyal to? Do you know what I mean? You're, you're being loyal to something that ain't helping you sometimes. Like, I remember like, when someone asked me about Dubois going to the Peacock and I said, I didn't even say whether the Peacock's good or bad. It's not my place to say so. It was me saying, Daniel Dubois needs to be in an environment where he's not the best guy in the gym. When Daniel Dubois has got someone to chase, he's a different animal. Once he gets to be the, the main guy, nah, that doesn't motivate him. Like if you put mm. if you put him in a camp with Joshua Fury or Wilder, you'd see a different version of Daniel Dubois. He'd be a savage because there's something to go after. Yeah. But when you're the main guy and people are coming to you for sparring, it doesn't bring the best out of him. And I think that's probably what caught him against Joe Joyce, was he just got comfortable being the main guy. So, yeah. so let's see what happens when he goes to Shane's and you've got two 2016 Olympians in the gym who can look and go, you know, you never got to our level in the amateurs, so have some respect and we'll see what he does yeah. in this situation. But now that stuff's important. That's good. And obviously they've got a world champion there, Lawrence, now as well. So Yeah, so he's got a target now. It's like, yo, you got a WBO yeah. belt, I need one of those too. You know? But like yeah. I said, I don't even think that's a Peacock thing. I think that's a Daniel thing, where he needs to be around someone who's better than he is. Yeah. But I think a lot of people do. You need that guy that's better, and they show you what they do. You go, oh, okay, cool. That's why, you know what I mean, it would be good for you to get out to the States and go, actually, let me see what these Charlos are doing. You know, let, me see, let me see why these Americans seem to be different to us. What is it they're actually doing? Because you might come back and go, they're not doing anything I haven't seen before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but but that's all on you though. Like no one else is going to do that for you. Yeah. Because I don't know people. People will listen to this and go, "Oh my god, you know he's so hard on on Denzel." But one thing I will say is, you probably had one of the better lockdowns in terms of a career moving forward. You, if you think, because we did one about a year ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it was all hopes and dreams. And remember, we were talking about Linus. That was the fight we were talking about. And now we're, yeah. we're a year down the line and you've dealt with Heffron twice and you've been in the ring with Felix Cash. For me, that's a hell of a, that's a, hell of a year. Like in terms of progression and getting to a certain level, man. Like, you know, sometimes you've got to stop and go, mate, congratulations, because that's a year of taking risks where a lot of people played it safe. You didn't play it safe over the last 12 months. You didn't, I mean, you did the lockdown correctly, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that, that, but you know me really. That's always my thing. I'm not like I get it. Cool, there's a business side and there's ways to you know swerve guys about looking like you're ducking and making money. But oh, like where I, like I don't want to start bringing it to where I'm from and all that stuff. But in order to where I'm from, you don't do that. That's just not that's not a thing. Like I I wouldn't feel you know like I deserved anything if I tried to swerve around things to you know make life easier for myself. I want it that way. Oh. When I when I do come out on top, it feels that much better. Like it feels real and sweeter. It's like 
I really deserve this. I didn't I didn't win this off no bum. I didn't win this off I, I beat guys that were more experienced than me, amateur and professional. But I put in the work to do it. I didn't do the the way everyone else is going. Let's go international and try and get a world back. Gan, I'm going through the the middle of the whole I'm saying I'm going I would have to put it. I'm I'm going through the trenches to get there really. Obviously it didn't work out for me. But we still go in it. Just that one fight, of course. Is what it is. I've accepted it. I know what I've done. I know what I feel like I need to improve on. But as 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 time as time goes on and I and you know I start feeling certain types of way about things, there's more things I'll add, more things I take out or whatever it may be to try and get better. But my thing is I'm always trying to progress, no matter what. Ooh, can't lie that that last fight. It had me had me on the ropes for a little bit. I was thinking, shit, fucking hell, man. Like, how do I get back from this? But now I'm back in the gym. Okay, I can see a little bit of that. At the end of the tunnel now, so I've got to keep pushing to get back with a comeback fight and then get straight back in there for something, you know, something worth my time. Like, I'm in the gym training hard. I don't want to just be fighting. Guys, I'm going to I'm gonna just turn over easily. Like, that just feels like I'm faking my career, in, in my opinion. But... Some people might say you may have to do that. That's that's the business. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's the right thing to do. So I always say, yeah, I always say you should always have a stabilization fight, right? So let's say you work on some new stuff now. You go, actually, here's what I learned from the Felix Cash fight. You want a stabilization fight that says, well, actually, I know I can do this now before you kick on. Because if you go from hard fight to hard fight to hard fight, you you never get a chance to build. No, of course, yeah. So you have to invest, man. You you have to you have to invest in in those fights, and no one ever has hard fights continuously because you can't. Like your body wouldn't sustain it for a start. But secondly, you'd just be the same guy you were a year ago. Mm. Yeah, if you look, if you look, if you look at Lawrence Cody, right? Remember, like the first six or seven fights of his career were hard, right? And yeah. he was he was always in survival mode, so he had to jab and hold because he was in survival mode against guys who were more experienced and the, and what happened people were like nah he's boring he's this he's that and then he had a couple of easy fights where he could work on stuff and now he starts to knock people out because he had to demonstrate that he could do it when the lights were on yeah so you have to you have to know when to push and you have to know when to hold and it's just being smart about those things because I was going to ask you man are you going to try and get in on this Canelo sparring if he fights Caleb Plant I'd love to, man. I'd love to. I would. I don't even want no payment. Let's take me out of there. I'll pay for all my own shit. Yeah, it's all bad. I'd love to. Someone in Frank's organization must know how to get hold of Canelo. That's what I'd be doing in your position. Now I'd be saying, listen, if you're going to fight Caleb Plant, you need someone who likes to move around the ring and work off the jab. Someone who can switch this, that, and the other, and someone who can crack. And I'd just be putting my name in the ring, and you might get that call. Yeah, that's the pain. I'm, I probably could ask for that. Yeah, I would. That's I'd I'd be saying, listen, someone get me in position to to spark Canelo because the worst they can say is no, or they might say ah maybe next no. time. Yeah, yeah. But I would. I'd be like, yes, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good show. So I've all just tried to tweet him in Spanish and that, but I think your way might work. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, remember how boxing works. We all know someone who knows someone who knows someone. So you, you will get there eventually. Yeah. 
plus I think those guys speak English, man. I think they just pretend they hide behind that Spanish thing. I think I think they're okay with English. No, definitely okay with English. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent okay with English. Yeah, yeah. but nah, but let's talk. Yeah. I'm happy, man. I still want to talk about your trip to Ghana. How long were you out there for? I had it for two months, man. That seven weeks, yeah, just under here. Yeah, that that. I think we said it at the time, but that that's the best tour the British title's ever been on. <laughs> no one's done it better. No one has done it better. That belt got everywhere. Apart from I never got to see the belt. Oh, snap, you didn't. I didn't see you in it. No, nah, it's fine. I'm, I'm going to call Felix up, man. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, that kind of trip looked good. Like, I, I think I said it to you at the time, right? That that picture of you, Isaac, and Josh, I thought, yeah. I mean, like, that's that's what South London Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a powerful image. Yeah. Like, I think in the years to come, that picture there, that'll be an important picture. Yeah. But why did it take so long to get that picture together? Because I kept seeing all three of you. Right? I'm like, hold on. You guys are in the same country. And then I'm like, are you guys in the same city? And I, I, was, like, I was like, how are you guys not meeting up if you're in the same city? Yeah, because you shouted me. You shouted me. I remember you shouted me. But you know, it was... They, they, I was there for long, innit? So I was in my family's hometown for a bit, Kumasi, before we went to Accra, which is the capital. So I was out there. And when I went out there, I found that um, uh, Isaac was out there. So my cousin tried to make us meet up and stuff. But he was in... He was up north meeting his family. Because that's where they're from. So he was like, when he gets down to Accra, he shout me. I was like, okay, cool. So when he, by the time you shouted me, we weren't in the same city at that point. Because when he was in the crowd, I was in Kumasi. Then when I was in the crowd, he was up north, like in the, in the Volta region where he's from, where his dad's from and that. And obviously, I think Josh was up there as well. So when he came down, then he shouted me saying, yeah, I'm about, let's, let's link up. So then I, I was like, okay, cool. Think to my, I put some food in there. And then he's like, he's training the next day. I'm like, I'm coming. <laughs> I ain't trained. All since I've been out here, I'm coming. I've got all my stuff, but I just ain't trained. So I went out there, went to train with him, and then Josh was there. Because um, Josh had come back from some trip that he went on. And he kept training the next day as well. And obviously one of um, Isaac's boys were there, David. I'm cool with now as well. Then we were all just training. I was like, oh, yeah, you got to get a picture, man. So we, 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 we were in the same place, but we weren't in the same place. But as soon as we all were in the same place at the same time, we, we linked up. So who was heavier, you or Isaac? <laughs> I don't look heavy in it. <laughs> Isaac looked like a light heavyweight man. <laughs> <laughs> he looked heavy, stocky guy. Because oh. I, I, I always too. forget how short he is, right? I'm like, man, how, do, short, how are you yeah, gonna yeah, make yeah. super bantam? Yeah, that, that's the thing. He looks so stocky. You think how you make him bantam? But he's short. Hey, you gonna, probably have, but you're gonna go out and see him? Because is he still training with Barry Hunter? General Barry Hunter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go out there. If you can get out there, get out there. That's a shout. I'll shout him still. Yeah, um, remember, that's that's like... I always remember Barry Hunter for, for like, the Lamont Peterson story. Remember? Lamont, Lamont Peterson, and his, yeah. And his brother. And, like, Barry took them in when they were homeless. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Definitely get out there because that, that's, a, that's a decent gym because they got Barry. They used to have Mike Stafford there. They've got Patrice Harris. It's a, it's a pretty strong team there. I, you, you wouldn't be wasting your time heading out to, the, I think it's the Bald Eagle. That's what they call it, like the Headbangers Gym. 
Headbangers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, but this is what I mean. Like, you've got these opportunities now. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you use your network properly, you could do a tour of the States. You'll get hooked up. Like, you got Umar Sadiq in LA. He's doing good things. You got Josh Boatsy in San Francisco in the Bay Area. So I think he's more Oakland. Yeah. I mean, you got Isaac up in DC, so that whole DMV area there. It's slowly starting. I mean, like, I mean, the Brits are getting out there because who's out there as well? Hamza Shiraz was out there. I don't know if he still is. Yeah. I'm going to claim credit for this new trend, man. I want to, I was like, <laughs> I'm claiming credit for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hamza Shiraz, I think he's at Goosen's gym, isn't it? Yeah. Well, because yeah, yeah. What, what, what people have realized is you're not going to get what you need in this country. You're just not. So you've got to go out there, get a little like four, six weeks of new ideas. You know, make sure they're embedded, come back here, do what you need to do, go back out there. And yeah. I, wish, I wish British trainers would do that because everyone thinks they know enough. Mate, fought for West Ham, 10 years, man and boy. Know all I need to know about boxing, son. You ain't got nothing to tell me, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, me old man and that, me old man, get me the gym and that, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, fucking no, you ain't got a fucking clue about where boxing's at right now. And a lot of these guys don't know where boxing's at. Yeah. You know, like, it's moved on, like. But yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get, that's the thing. Like, like you said, it's moved on, and it? Things change, and you've got to get with the times. But at the end of the day, like you said, every fighter is in charge of their own career. You can't blame anything. Can't blame, can't blame anything to anyone. And that's not, and that's what I'm not trying to do. I, I'm, I'm not trying to blame anything to anyone. It's, 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 it's my, it's just I'm taking full responsibility in it. So, because I'll tell you what, like when I first started getting plugged into this pro thing, the biggest thing that blew me away was how little effort some of these trainers put into training guys, and I was like, oh, what is it? Is this easy? Do you know what I mean? I'm like, what? Because like, yeah. when you when you train amateurs, Jesus Christ, man, like stress levels through the roof. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> you're generally working with pretty average talent. Like, there are a few really good guys, there are a few really bad guys, but it's mostly pretty average talent. And so, can I turn any of these into gold? I mean, if you can do that, I mean, you know your stuff. Whereas I think when you're yeah. a pro, you've got people who are hungry already. It's easier. Yeah. Easier, man. Like, remember, the Peacock tried that amateur thing, man, and, like, they, they weren't really that good. Yeah, that's true. They weren't that good. The same guys who are training the pros are training the amateurs. Like, I'm like, what, like 12 and 0 against the Peacock? What, and amateurs? Yeah, I'd never lose to the Peacock. I'd be offended if I lost to the Peacock. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think the, um, the Peacock amateurs were like their main focus, though. Like, Peacock's older the professional gym, the amateurs are just like, okay, we've got the space and the time in it. So, I the same but... guys, man. It's the same guys. <laughs> <laughs> no man, I'm not having that one still. Yeah, it's the same I don't think guy. Amateur <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm not having that one. All them old man, you know all them stocky guys, man. All okay, they get coming down. They guys get slapped up, and they just go right. We're out of here. We're out of here, lads. Go on. <laughs> no, the, the amateurs weren't. They weren't on the same level as as the professional. It was very, very different. I'm not that. We don't have amateurs no more, but before. Well, there you go. You know why now, don't you? 
Yeah, because the amateurs was never a priority in the thing. It was just that we had we had the time for them. I think they only came uh, a couple of nights a week as well, like maybe three, two, three times a week. So they weren't never really uh, uh, like priority. Like not 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 to be rude. Like not like they weren't a priority, but Peacock Gym was more known for the professionals. Not like they didn't have an outstanding amateur gym. Like from when I was an amateur as well, I remember when I right, when I was an amateur, Peacock wasn't like one of the the top the top guys. You know, on the list as amateurs, but when I took professional and I went there, it was just a different kettle of fish. It was like, okay, this is what you look put your attention into. You know what I mean? Nah, I'm okay. Obviously, you, you, you obviously, you obviously see it differently, but that's how I feel about it. <laughs> 12 and 0, man. Like, I'm happy with that. I'm like, yeah, never, never in my life. Man. If I'd lost to the peacock, I'd have handed my badge back. Like, yeah, I'm done with this shit. <laughs> nah, 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 I'm not even, I think the professionals is. Very, very, very different to the answer. I'd, the answer I'd, run, o- I'd run no. over. Give me professionals. I'll go weight class for weight class with everything in the peacock and I won't lose a single fight. Nah. Conf- nah. I'm confident on that. I there's won't lose some, a single there's fight. Some solid, that's, there's some solid fighters from the peacock. Who? Right, let's just do back. Who? Cannon Town peacock. Cannon Town peacock, yeah? Cool. Okay. Heavyweight, you've got Dan. Gone. Light heavyweight, you've got Ant. You've got Dan Aziz. Okay. Um, yeah, hey, listen, um, listen, listen. I've got the antidote for Dan Aziz. He knows that, man. I, I, you know. Okay, for Andre Sterling, you know, his last, his last fight against um, uh, uh, Dan weren't, weren't, you know, weren't the best, but Andre Sterling with the right, right guidance would have been a problem. Well, that well, was, well thank good. you. Thank you. You see that you're saying the thing I'm trying to say. So, you give me on yeah, but like that, but, that, but but no, but no, but that that could be outside the gym too. Because I heard as an amateur, he was like that. He would never be serious. You know what I mean? He would just be in the gym and then he just wants to do his thing outside. That like Andre's uh, Andre, Andre, he's from where he's from. You feel me? Like he's he's not not a pushover. So he no, oh, oh, the, oh, no, no, around I'm saying so he's probably just around a, a bad kind of crowd of people that you know we always want to be around, which could have affected his boxing. You know what I mean? So I don't want to like. Listen, man, if I was oh, ever in trouble, things, but yeah, you know what I mean. Nah, if I was ever in trouble and I saw Andre next to me, I'd feel all right immediately. I'd be like, okay, <laughs> right. exactly, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it could all be, it could all be that. So, even if you go to the smaller weights, you got Louis Lynn, Chris Burke, these guys are serious guys, man. Whoa, 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 I love those guys, right? Like, I got a lot of time for Louis, got a lot of time for Borky, um, because that John Pilata put me onto him, but they're not. Do you know what they are? They're, they're elite level talents, but they're not elite yeah. level pros. There's a big gap between the two things. And that's what I'm saying to you. That's, okay. why, that's why I would back myself to beat everyone in the Peacock gym if you gave me a group of fighters matching them for weight class. Because all I would do is wrap them around an elite environment. It, it, they, like they'd, they'd come out and they'd just start biting people's faces off. They'd be that ready. I mean, like... It, it, <laughs> I'd even say don't even get judges in there. You, you won't need the judges. Like I'll have everyone. <laughs> I'll have everyone home in two hours max. Hey, we're, nothing, nothing's going the distance. See, this is getting yeah, me revved no. up, man. Like, hey, hey no, a, but- anyone with a spare gym or gym space, I'll put money up. Yeah, I'm coming. Uh, you, yeah, you've re- you've reawakened me, Denzel. I needed this. I want to run over the people. <laughs> I want to run over the people. Uh, trust me, I'm telling you, bro. There's some solid fighters coming out of there. Chris yeah. and Louis as well, especially. Who? See them two there. Yeah. Remember, Chris can bang. A lot of Chris's fighters ain't got the distance anyway. He looks like he can bang. The guy's a fire. 
Louis, Louis is a good fighter as well. He's got an engine like, like you wouldn't even believe it. his engine's nuts. Is he and, and he's not one of them guys. Is he he's not one of them. No, but you got to give him time to get there though. You got to give him time to get there though. Like like he's on. He's only just up for his first title. So yeah, I'm yeah. not gonna then just just throw him in that in in that in that in that uh, position to say he's elite and you know make him take a step further than he needs to. But he's getting there. Like he's not one of them fighters that are just fit for no reason. He's fit and he's gonna push the pace. He's always last fight. Done that and then one and then done a ten mile run after. I promise you, guys that fit will push the pace, throws a hundred 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 shots around easily, easily. Chris is a little more settled and a little, a little bit more um, spat for when he shots because he, he he doesn't fight at as a faster pace as Louis. So he's he's picking his shots. He don't waste. Chris don't waste shots. Do you know what every shot he hits you if he wants to hurt you with it. Like Chris will get there. Like Chris is climbing the ranks. Look, like he wants that British now. Bad Foster just not. Vacating it like he's ready for them kind of fights, and I, I think they both are. Them two, trust me, they're serious guys, and they're from the peacock. So, see, I like Louis, and I remember the best performance I've seen Louis do was it was a 2016 ABAs. I remember going down to Croydon to watch him, and he boxed, yeah. I think he was 52 kilo, and he was just yeah, playing, was, yeah. yeah, he was playing. And I thought, I remember thinking, this guy, he's different. And someone said to me, if you're Eddie Hearn and you could sign one amateur in this country, who would you sign? Like, there's, an, there's a podcast episode where I said Louis Lin. I said, I'd sign Louis Lin right mm. now. And then like two weeks later, Hearn signed him, but it didn't work out for, for whatever reason. But he's, he's super talented. But like I keep saying, Britain's full of really talented guys. Heffron is really talented. Mark Heffron and his brother, I think it's Ronnie Heffron, super talented yeah. kids as amateurs, right? They never turned that into elite level talent. A, a because they're probably with the wrong trainer. B they didn't understand the gift they had. And C, like the hunger wasn't there. Like Heffron was, I mean, he was the the golden boy. Like he was the Denzel Bentley before the Denzel Bentley. For years, Frank was like, "Yeah, this Heffron guy, we're gonna take him to world level." And then he just he just fell off. And a lot of guys do that because they don't understand what it is to be elite. Like to be elite is Yo, I'm, 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 I'm on top of my nutrition, no corners cut. I'm on top of my training, no mm-hmm. corners cut. And when I don't feel I'm getting enough out of my setup, I'm going to demand more from my setup. Do you know what I mean? Like you just move like you're elite. And then when there's five of you in a gym that are just on that elite mindset, everyone else comes with you. And it's not something the coaches can, can police themselves. Like the fighters have to do that. The fighters have to be there inspiring, going, listen, how you get out the ring, man. You're getting hit with the same jab every time. You're not ready. Get out the ring. Like, I've seen that in America. <laughs> no, no. I've been, in, like, I've been in gyms in America. The guy got hit with, he got hit with a right uppercut four times in a row. And they said, get out the ring, man. Like, you don't know what you're doing. Mm. And I thought, that's the kind of pressure people need. Like, when people are going to call you out for being shit, you, you definitely don't want to be shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But English gyms don't like that. They don't even like you talking during sparring. It's like, no, no, mate, mate, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing, mug. Yeah, sit back there. I'm not saying, nah, man. Like, straight away. I've done it before. I've pulled people out. I'm like, you're not hungry today, mate. Get out the ring. Yeah, but go do my rounds. Get out the ring, man. You're wasting all of our time. You got to be real with people. I promise you, you won't want to hear that again. Yeah, man, that's how that's how that's how I'll destroy the peacock, man. 
Um, <laughs> no, nah, man, there's some solid fighters coming out of there, man. But you see, but you're using the word solid, right? But I'm, I mean, good, very talented, very nah, good, talented, no, solid I, fighters. I, I want to hear elite. Say the word elite. Yeah, but no, no, but no one there, no, they will be elite, but no one there is, is boxed at that level, that not even me, so I can't just say the word elite fighters. When you say elite fighters, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about world-level fighters. Mm-hmm. And, until, you know, we fight at that level, mm. you can believe we're elite, but to just automatically say, yeah, yeah, this guy's elite and that. Still got to go out there and prove it. Whether, whether I say that or not, yeah. we, we, all, we all still got to go out there and prove it, so. I don't like using terms loosely, and I don't just like to talk for talking sake. I think, you know, the names are names. Everyone in the gym, you know, that's that's really about it. Is gonna get to that level, but right now we ain't. We're working, we're working towards it. We're working towards it. Like I've I've got a lot to work on with myself to get back to where I was before I can even think about moving on to, you know, that kind of level and talk about elite. I believe I will be elite, and I can be elite. I've got an elite level mindset, but. Out there and prove that I am what I say I am or I am what I think I am. You know what I mean, so I'm not just going to start throwing out that, words yeah. just to that, make me feel good. You see, and once you do your British tour and you see all these other guys in these gyms, you'll come back and you'll look at the guys around you differently. Because, like, I'll, for example, I'll go down to Bristol and I'll have a look in the Empire, and there's a kid there, I'll be like, oh, he looks good. Two years later, nothing, right? Or as has happened before, I'll go to Manchester, I'll pop into, you know what I mean, certain gyms like Collierhurst and Moston, just have a little look. Oh my God, these guys look amazing. And then you see them fight competitively, like, <sighs> and I think just like having toured around and seen all these different gyms, everyone looks good in their gym because remember, your gym is set up for you to look good. Yeah? Mm. You're always going to look good in your own gym because like it's set up for you. You, you can do everything in there. That's why it's always yeah, interesting when yeah, people yeah, face you. each other. And then I think, yeah, honestly, just pack your bag, pack your gloves, go on tour. Because people would love to have you in their gym. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, well, we've got Denzel, future world champion. I don't call you former British, by the way. I always call you future world champion. You need to change your bio on Instagram, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I respect it. I no, that yeah, love, bro. <laughs> no, no, it's true though. Self-talk, man. You know, if you're writing former British, nah, bro. Future world champion should be your description. You know I mean, because yeah. there's a psychological principle called anchoring. Wherever you put something, it doesn't deviate too far from that. So, like, when let's say I'm selling a car, if I tell you this car is worth five grand, you might say, nah, bro. I'll pay four for it, and I'll go, okay, I'll take four, but the car's only worth two. You see what mm. I mean? So if you're saying former British champ, man, like, you know what I mean? You're letting people know that, oh, he was British champ, but he lost. No, you're the future world champion. That's it. Yeah. That's the difference between being good and being elite. No stones left unturned. Are you changing it now? Are you you updating it now? (laughs) I, I will not right now, but after we're done, still you're gonna see it change. <laughs> I'm still listening right now, but I'm gonna change that still. That's important, man. I was gonna say, so do you know who you're gonna come back against, or is that still to be determined, or even when you're gonna come back? I want to be back. I want to be back ASAP, but I don't know when. Hopefully, hopefully July, man. Obviously, 28 days out and all that stuff. I didn't spar on that, so get back to sparring, still drilling stuff, so. Hopefully July, man. Oh, but I've, I've been told that, you know, we'll try and get my car twice. 
um, before the end of the year. So yeah. hopefully July, then I can just you know do my thing because I do want to. I do want to go out there and see. Not see what's there, but obviously I spoke to Josh. He said, "Well, listen, you're free to come anytime to train with me and stuff." So probably go out there, spend some time, spend, spend a bit of time there. Not too long because I want to get back and fight, but I, I just want to have a fight before I do that. So yeah, listen, take as long as you need out there, man. Remember, th- th- these are your investment years. Like, there's going to come a point where you won't be able to do any of this, so you just want to invest and in all the knowledge and context yeah. you can soak up. Do that. It's like 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 I'm seeing Chris Congo in Vegas now, and Chris is just trying to beef up his address book. He's just trying to meet people, arrange stuff, whatever he can arrange. I know he's trying to get into Spa Floyd. Like he's like, yo, can I get some work with Floyd? Oh, so, I swear. Yeah, no. Nah, so I, I put him in like a, a couple of little intros I know in Vegas. Hopefully that works out for him. But he's out there just, you know what I mean, because he realizes, man, like what we've got in Britain is cool, but it's tiny and is being exposed, man. Like, look, we're, we're just losing to Mexicans. These Mexicans are coming over with jet lag and beating us. Man. <laughs> with jet lag. <laughs> no, Mexicans are different. But yeah, I feel you, though. I feel you. Uh, but it's like I said, I, w- I want to wrap this up because otherwise we'll be talking for three or four hours. But I think, for me, the important thing is you've had a hell of a 12 months, man. It's... It's been ups, it's been downs, but I think it's all the right sort of experience to to build a platform on. And I think, like like we've discussed, man, the the path to greatness is is pretty simple, but it's going to ask a lot of you. If you see what I mean. Yeah, no, I definitely I'll get you. Yeah, but the most important thing in all of this, then, is never get comfortable. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Never get comfortable. Never let it feel like a routine. Because that's when you should start to worry. Yeah. Yeah, I you. Ah, actually, on another one, and like, actually two things we didn't touch on, which which I think we should. Number one, kudos on donating part of your purse to the St. Vincent Appeal, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes we can forget about these things, but there's still like real life consequences to that. So, you know I mean, I always like to see people take leadership in situations like that, which was good. Yeah. And then also, weren't you the no, first you boxer to take a knee? Uh, in the UK, yeah. Yeah. In the UK, yeah. Was there any backlash over that or people just like, eh, okay, cool? Uh, I see a few comments, but nothing mad. Like, nothing, nothing big. Like, nothing like that went, you know, over the top. I just see a few, a few people just talking about, like, oh, I'm not watching you again, and blah, blah, blah. All them kind of comments. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, don't watch it in it. I'm not doing it for you to watch me. So, yeah. Yeah. No, nah, but you did it at the right time. Like, I was watching the football. Uh, you know when I see them do it now? And I'm like, yeah. Okay, cool. Man, we we did this last year, man. We're like, what, what, what's our next step now? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Because yeah, now, yeah. now I'm getting frustrated the same way those, those white football hooligans did, where they're like, oh, mate, this is a bit much now. You know, yeah. when, <laughs> you know when they started going mad? They're like, mate, come on, man. Like, how many times have we got to see this? And I was like, yeah. at first I was like, what do you mean? And then they said, all right, mate, we, we get the point, right? But what do you want out of this? And I was like, actually, that's really true. Like, I mean, what we're here Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're at a point now where we need real change, not just empty gestures. Mm-hmm. These are really and truly just empty gestures, like. Yeah. It just looks good to see, but it's like, 
it's all it's all it looks good, but whatever we're still doing that for still going on. You know what I mean? So. Exactly, man. Like, like the whole irony is, I was talking to an American friend of mine. I was like, think about this whole BLM thing. Like, nothing really came out of it apart from the fact that Joe Biden has now made it illegal to racially abuse Asian Americans. Which kudos for them. But it's like, do well, you know what's so mad? Oh my days! I was just talking about this yesterday to, to one of my brothers. I was just talking about this yesterday, and I was just like, but the thing is, I don't like getting to all these things on the, online because you can if you, if you sometimes you don't get your point across properly because people read things differently and they read what they want to read or, or, or how they want to read it. But just like what you said, you spent all this time fighting for BLM and justice for and that cool. The guy's been sentenced in that. But at the end of the day, there still hasn't been no law passed on anything to do with, like, it, it, not even just black, just do not kill an unarmed person and automatically black, black people fall under that bracket. But, of course, the Asians have got their, their justice and, you know, a law passed for them to, you know, you can't, they can't be abused, you know, racially or whatever, which, like you said, it's good for them. But we still haven't got what we've been fighting for and we're still just getting all these empty gestures that really and truly don't mean nothing. Listen, man, there's all these people grifting now, using that BLM money for, for their own youth groups and community groups and they're paying themselves, <laughs> a, paying themselves a quarter of a mil a year in a salary. And you're like, what? Ooh, that's yeah, crazy. They're, they're grifting so hard that's on crazy. This, man. It's embarrassing. Mad. Mad, it's mad. It's just, it's just one of those things. What you, all you can do is what you can do to try and help or make change towards you know what you're trying to make change to. But other than that, people have their own agendas. People do things. People probably saw that whole BLM thing as a as an opportunity to just like you said, make money and pay themselves and start their own thing. Yeah, donate to us. We're gonna help build this sort of community for black people. And at the end of the day, it's been a year. Everyone has donated, not just the government. I ain't seen nothing from people that that we that people have been donated to. So we've been donating to all these people, you know, that have you know said openly said them come out and said well, um, this donation is to start communities for young black kids or for black people to be able to do this and do that. A whole year later, I haven't seen any of it. So I don't know where all that donation money is gone. They've just started up their own their own business now and they're they're they're, they're benefiting off it. So. It's just so mad. Mate, the, the grift is undefeated and the grift is forever, man. These guys will keep grifting off black suffering for their own ends. Man. They, yeah? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. All mad, you can ever do mad. in life is do what you believe in and push for the change you want. Yeah, literally. And, the change and, and that's my thing. That's what... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, then the change we want is Denzel Bentley as world champion. Listen, that's what we need. That's 100% happening. That's a... Put that on everything, everything. I promise, I swear, that's happening. Bro. And we also need another that's... rule that you can do no more IFL interviews unless I'm present. <laughs> you got to be present then. Shows are back, so I don't need yeah, you there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Official spokesman. You're, you're going to be like, what's yeah. his name? Brock Lesnar in the wrestling. Like, he doesn't talk <laughs> and I just do all the talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No. Yeah, we need another one of those though. <laughs> That, that one blew up definitely. That was funny. Yeah, I don't know if Coogan likes me enough to do that, but nah, we'll make it happen. Because <laughs> you're always making trouble on Twitter, that's right. <laughs> nah, I'm not, man. I, 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 just, I don't like people that, that make stuff up, man. Be honest. Like, he tried to say stuff like he doesn't listen to, to these shows. I'm like, bro, just... There's no shame in saying you listen, because if you think about it, if Coogan's a boxing fan, 
You can't watch IFL videos because you, you, you made them, right? So why are you going to watch it again? You're not. So what are you going to fill your time with? You've got to fill your time with something. Oh, fair enough. I hate you. Yeah, 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 yeah man, I get that. Man, like, I mean, yo, they all say they don't listen. And then I say something about them and they phone me. I'm like, but I thought you didn't listen. And they try and lie and go, <laughs> yeah, they, my mate told me about it. I'm like, I doubt you have conversations about me with your friends. <laughs> I'm not that important. Yeah. Nah, they listen. Yeah, no, nah, I don't know about all about that, but Umar, Coogan, Oscar, I like them there. They, they support me on, on my team, so. Yeah, man. Like I said, I don't know. Obviously, you lot have obviously had whatever it is you've had, but I've got nothing but respect for them. But obviously, it's different. I, I, I don't beef in boxing. I always say this to people: any conflict I have, I just turn into content. Like I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get into aimless beefs, man. Like this is not. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Boxing is not the front line. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. You've got to be able to. To go, oh, oh, this guy's got a problem with me. Cool. Like, let's have some, let's have some fun off it. Let's grift off this conflict, man. Get, get some views, get <laughs> some interest, whatever. But, like, what to swing on each other over, over boxing? Come on, man. <laughs> nah, but I'd do it for charity, though. If someone said Eddie Hearn wants to do three rounds with, it, I'd do that. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> three rounds with Eddie Hearn, you know. Yeah. He gave. He, I see a video of him. Um, What's that guy's name? He's guy Frank Smith. He gave him a body shot. <laughs> that was a peak body shot. <laughs> Who threw the shot? Eddie, that video. Eddie or Frank? No, no, Eddie, Eddie threw the shot. Eddie threw the shot. No, but remember, he's what, 6'5 and about 17 and a half stone. He's a big guy. Yeah, he's a big guy still. And he's tall. But listen, listen, my left hook to the body, if I go south, put my right hook to the body. Then <laughs> either way. Yeah, of course, man. Like, I'm the master of that. But I, I'll, I'll take his spine and show it to him, man. That's how deep that hook will go. I'll be like, listen, there's your spine. <laughs> if someone ever did that for charity, listen, I'm down for that. I would do 12 rounds if you want. I'll prep for that. That'll be fun, though. I'll be good. I'll be good to work. I'd enjoy that. I mean, all of that, man. Him, Coogan. I don't care, man. Like, come on, man. We're all about the same Yeah, they, they, the same they should thing. do something about the... Um... They should do. They should do something like that. They would order like the yeah. uh, presenters or interviewers, whatever it is, and yeah, do a charity thing. That'd be sick. Yeah, let's have a troll championship. The troll of the year. <laughs> let's do it. That's hard, yo. Yeah, I'm, I'm all over that, man. <laughs> all right, look. Let, let's let's wrap fun, it up, too. man. Like, listen. Thank you for your time. Like, this has been a good discussion, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, mate, I I still believe you're going to get to the top. You know, sometimes you've got to have a little pit stop to, to pause and reflect. But the important thing, Dennis, yeah. as you already know, is you've got to turn this pain and this emotion into progress. That's all it can be. You've got to use it to, to drive you forward. When you're tired, when you want to eat those extra calories, you just remember what it felt like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, definitely. No, nah, man, but nah, yeah. Yeah, thanks for your time. I appreciate this. Yeah, man, man, I appreciate it, man. Love, bro. All right, take care. No, I really enjoyed that. And the one thing I took away from that was Denzel's very human about the process you go through in boxing. I thought I thought he shone light upon some of the emotional turmoil. You can still see the Felix cash fight burns inside of him. And so you can only hope that he uses that to fuel him onto greater excellence. And as we discussed, a boxer's career is in the sole custody of the boxer themselves. So it's up to them as to whether they really want to 
excel and be amazing or if they're happy where they are. And I think it'll be good to catch up with Denz in a few months' time and just to see where he's at. You know, has he exorcised the ghosts of Felix Cash or do they still burn brightly in him? But no, hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, you know, like, share and comment, the usual things. Take care.